passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting, where we are coming off the dream match between Kenny Omega and El Hio Del Vikingo, who delivered possibly the greatest match in Dynamite history, and I feel one of the greatest performances I've ever witnessed on a pro wrestling show in Vikingo tonight. I was blown the fuck away by that match. It was incredible. Couldn't have dreamt a better match. That was spectacular of everything that was hit. The match was structured for Vikingo to be the star. And for that, I mean, Kenny was a fantastic opponent, but this was all about uh, Vikingo. And I know it will come up of everyone that will look back at the, uh, the fervor that this match caused. If that, if that lit a, a, a extra spark of motivation in not just the performers, but of AEW itself to make this match feel so special tonight, where it was not just relegated to its block on the show all night long. It was promoted. They had a video for it. I thought they did a great presentation before you got to the match itself. And then you had uh, an unbelievable match that will be some people's match of the year, I think. I think it's a, that high of a standard uh, that that match was. I I just thought it was unbelievable. Like, if you are familiar with El Hijo del Vikingo, it only solidifies one of the great wrestlers in the entire industry. And if not, then this was a star-making performance to a new audience. And bravo to this crowd in Missouri that was hot all night long. And 
added so much to this main event as well. This it just felt like such a hot main event. Uh, I I can't say enough good things about it. Done. I'm done for the show. Take it over. I mean, honestly, like by the time the match started, it felt like it was the most talked about match um, in quite some time. And that was because of the controversy online. You know, say, I mean, you know, I guess uh, for better or worse, um, the tribalism that currently exists can be used towards the show's advantage. And I don't know if Tony knew exactly that this would be the end result, but promoting this match as a dream match caused a whole lot of debate and that debate in turn made this one of the most anticipated matches in and of itself i mean we're, we're talking about 20 minutes of time that is what we're talking about here 20 minutes of your time is all that they were promoting it is amazing what uh what constitutes a controversy these days but you were right uh it certainly did uh spark all of that so we will get into everything involving dynamite uh tonight as well as your feedback that you can drop off at forum.postwrestling.com or be so kind as to submit a super chat. And next week, everybody, it all begins WrestleMania week coverage. We want to note off the top that we will be doing live, uh, shows Monday through Friday next week on the post wrestling cafe. Uh, so this will not be in place of our free content. We will still be doing, uh, raw and dynamite next week. But if you are a cafe member, you will be getting shows daily covering all of the many mania shows we have some guests that are going to be lined up and i'm going to break my my cardinal rule away and we are going to announce our first guest for wrestlemania week joining us next monday if the planets align we will be kicking off our post wrestling wrestlemania week coverage with speedball mike bailey who is set to have quite the week in and around Los Angeles, coming off that uh, GCW main event on Sunday in Toronto. So looking forward to having uh, Speedball Mike Bailey on next week. Uh, many others to come. PostWrestlingCafe.com, your place to be next week for all things WrestleMania. And then live Saturday and Sunday night immediately after each night of WrestleMania here on the Post YouTube channel. So all we ask, subscribe and uh, circulate. Circulate the word out there. The world needs more way. Sure. And the world needs more John. And uh, mm. we'll be very, very busy next week. You know, it's it's our playoffs. It's our busiest week of the entire year. And uh, we're going to do our best to make your subscriptions worthwhile. Yeah, my whole family is sick right now. And they're all just laughing, knowing you're going to be next. You're going to be next. It's like, no, I'm not. I will. I will avoid uh, any illness. Uh, so anyway, that's all to come. Forbidden Door. Pre-sale today. It got off to an enormous start. And I, I definitely was glad that I hedged on on Monday because Friday we were talking about like what is the demand going to be for the show and you know on I mentioned like being at the GCW show over the weekend hearing from so many people uh, in and around the industry people tr- planning traveling for the show by Monday I certainly was on board with the idea this is going to be a hot ticket and it certainly was WrestleTix reporting uh, twelve thousand thirty tickets distributed. Uh, with a current setup of just over 13,600. And there are tickets AEW did confirm to us that obviously are held back for the general on sale, but you can see it's going to be a very quick sellout on Friday when these remaining tickets are gobbled up. And the end result way is that we talk about of, of AEW's four pay-per-views separating this one of what is like their big show of the year. I think it's becoming pretty clear two years in a row. This is becoming the big 
branded event for AEW each year when it comes to here is a show that has no matches announced. This is at a time when it's not like an AEW pay-per-view is an automatic sellout like it once was. They did not sell out Revolution. This is a sellout based on the novelty of interpromotion of a kick-ass show last year and the promise of an incredible wrestling show like without any idea of what will be on this card. And this is starting to feel like this is going to become the big show of the year for AEW and for New Japan in the U.S. When New Japan on its own, they're going to the 2300 arena next month and to sell like a thousand or so tickets. And here with AEW, like there is certainly a each are lifting the other up. You can certainly assign who is like carrying the load here, but it is the combination of this that, you know, it has this audience's um, captivation that this is a traveling trip, that this is a market that is going to support a big show like this. It was certainly a big, a big endorsement of the forbidden door concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it helps that, um, New Japan itself maybe is, you know, seeing a little bit of a resurgence right now. Um, I think, you know, attitudes towards the brand are that much higher. Maybe expectations of a Will Ospreay and a Kenny Omega being on the same card might heighten that as well. Um, I also think Toronto has been looking, has been waiting for a pay-per-view level event for really quite some time. We haven't had one since before the pandemic. And uh, as a result, I, I feel like that that is probably a big part of the reason as well. I'm sure if when, when it lot- feels big, when when there is a show that feels big, this is a great market for it. It's very much a major league city in that just running a rank and file show. It's not going to be your guaranteed sellout. But when something is perceived as big. This is a great market for that kind of thing. And that goes for all sports. Yeah, I'm sure the scalpers have been waiting for something like this as well. So it'd be, we'd be interesting to see how much of, of the tickets that were grabbed up today were on the secondary market. Um, but yeah, like Forbidden Door, it helps that, you know, it was a great show last year. And I think it helps that, out, you know, out of the calendar for both the, both brands, it's the one event that maybe stands out above the rest as being different, you know, a revolution and all out and, and a double or nothing. There's really nothing that distinguishes those events from, from one or the other. If one of those events ran here in a Toronto in a, in a market that started for this sort of pay-per-view type of card, would it have done as well? Perhaps, perhaps, but uh, do you think it would have been the same response if this was double or nothing instead of forbidden door? Maybe not as fast, but it's it's hard hard to say. It's it really is because I think Toronto is just that hot hot of a professional wrestling market that's been underserved since before the pandemic. Um, but you know the the Forbidden Door concept they've introduced it last year and it's certainly successful this year. I mean I think we can at least say that it's a it's a it's a very successful idea. Oh, there's no there's no question about it. I mean it it overperformed with pay per view buys last year. It was an immediate sellout at the United Center. Like that's two massive arenas that they. Well, I, I will say massive in terms of like what AEW runs like to like the united center is a giant arena and for this setup like they they will probably by the time we are at the show like they should be opening up more seats probably once their production layout is all confirmed so they they could very well top fourteen thousand here i don't think that's going to be a stretch at all for them um dave melter adding that they're over a million dollars canadian for the live gate so that's around you know seven hundred and thirty thousand us um a, a big gap uh with our canadian dollar yeah, it feels like it's sometimes like, you know, $100 US, but um, it's okay. You know, it's, we, we, we have, we have Tim Hortons at least. Wait, did you snag tickets today for Forbidden Door? 
That I did. Yes, I did. I'll be going with a few friends. I already know a bunch of people that are uh, traveling. I believe John Ceno and Fire Frank are actually traveling here. Ahmad is uh, from New Jersey is showing oh. up here. It's going to be a big post meetup. So, you know, we'll have to maybe consider doing something. Well, there you have it. Uh, so that is the latest on Forbidden Door. And uh, good luck if you are trying to get tickets this Friday, but um, I'm sure tickets will be popping up on the secondary market. And that will be a market to monitor to see um, how high the, the get-in price is for this show and how in demand these tickets are going to be uh, mm-hmm. in the lead up to it. Uh, one story that just uh, kind of broke during Dynamite, uh, and that was Joey Janela announcing that he will be taking on Kota Ibushi at spring break on March 31st. Kota Ibushi's first match back since his uh, shoulder injury against Kazuchika Okada in October of 2021. So I don't know if that. So, so this is before Bloodsport. Um. Oh, sorry. You're right. That will be. Um. When is Bloodsport? Bloodsport's on Thursday. Thursday. You're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. So I. Uh, I have uh, misspoke. But yes, his second match back technically. Cool. Uh. So, so there you have it. Um. Joey Janela, Kota Ibushi. So that is that is the only match I believe we have for spring break. Did they announce? Uh, no, they have announced another match. Anyway, I have no facts uh, associated with spring break. Do you like this pairing? I mean, I I like it. Um, I I think it it guarantees that it's it, it's you know going to get some sort of headlining bout. I mean, spring break, you know, being Joey Joey Janela's event, him having the match with Ibushi. I, yeah, I, I do like it for spring break. I feel like. <laughs> Spring break is a concept that is perfect for Kota Ibushi. So I'm wondering how weird this match could potentially get. Of course, we all want to see, you know, a, a, a full on wrestling match of which like Joey Janela is incredibly capable of. I think we've seen. Um, but I also wonder how much gimmickry will, will take place. And I, I this is the one show that I more than welcome it. So Dude, this I, is I a year and a half of Kota Ibushi thinking up. God sure. knows what. Um, a running yeah. from the invisible man, please. Let's see it. It's all possible. Yeah. Spring break. It's got, uh, I, I remember now speedball and El Hio del Vikingo, which is, uh, going to be one of the big matches of the entire week and Motor City Machine Guns against Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne, who were just on the, uh, the GCW show this past Sunday and had a, a very nice match. So, uh, spring break should be a lot of fun this year, just with those three announcements already. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sold out too. I mean, the, the Ukrainian cultural center, that's the regular stop for game changer. That's their home base in mm-hmm. LA as well. So I'm, I'm really curious to know if, if there will be more um, discussion about these collective shows this year, just because of the accessibility of the, of the fight fight plus subscription. Um, and just a quick plug, um, John and uh, Brandon Thurston did an interview with the uh, CEO of fight. COO. Yeah. Mike Weber. Yes. So he was on to talk about the, the decision, like to go with, you know, it, these are shows that people were paying. Like you remember what the bundle was like last year for the collective. Like, mm-hmm. This is an audience that will spend a lot of money, but the idea is, you know, expand the, the subscription base. And this is seven ninety nine for all the collective shows this year that include blood sport that include spring break. So, I mean, for the fan, it's, it's an awesome deal. I mean, how could anyone uh, complain about that? So, uh, you know, it, this will probably has the chance to be the most watched spring break ever, just because mm-hmm. of, of that uh, distinction this year that they're going to have as well. And you know what, as we are just over a week away, I've still not heard the word clusterfuck attached to spring break. Hmm. Could we, could we hope way? Could we just hope that maybe it's, it's retired? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's an active know, deterrent for me now. Like I will just actively avoid that match. It's not for me. Right. So uh, we will see, but part of me feels 
how will they do a spring break without one? We shall see. All right, let's uh, continue on uh, because that just came out during uh, during Dynamite. Sonata won the New Japan Cup on Tuesday, defeating David Finley in the final. And WH Park and I did a whole show on the cafe going through the card. Uh, I made WH sit down, watch this entire card, and... He's very high on the Sonata look way. He thinks that this is a, this is a nice improvement. I mean, the guy looks like a million bucks here. I think this is a, a positive one for Sonata. I was not a fan of the, you know, this, the, the shaggy look that he had uh, adopted over the years. I think any, any change is good when you're embarking on a new, you know, career path. And, um, he already did the blonde, crazy, you know, spiky hair thing. And so he's going back to basics. I mean, the guy looks really good in a suit. You know, we can say that for sure. So, yeah, if yeah. if there's one match to watch on this show, it is Hiromu Takahashi and Leo Rush, who just tore it up for 21 minutes. Excellent, excellent match from that card on Tuesday. But now for Sakura Genesis, which is their next major card at Sumo Hall, April the 8th, uh, has Okada and Sonata. This will be their ninth singles match as Okada has a 7-1 and lifetime record against Sonata. Uh, Hiromu Takahashi will defend the junior heavyweight title against the newest member of TMDK, Robbie Eagles, which was revealed by Zack Sabre Jr., who informed, row the video, dickheads. And there was Robbie Eagles on video to announce his uh, his adoption into TMDK. Uh, Bishamon, Hiroki Goto, and Yoshihashi will defend the tag titles against Aussie Open, which um, th- they had a great interaction in the uh, the six-man. That should be a very strong match. Zack Sabre Jr. against Shota Umino for the world television title. Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi against Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Doki. Tamatonga, Hikuleo, and Master Wato against David Finley, Kenta, and El Fantasmo. So after the thoughts of David Finley headlining this show, he's sort of just in a throwaway six-man tag. And then Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanare, and Francesco Akira will take on Evil, Yujiro, and Sho, the House of Torture. Interesting is that uh, Mercedes Monet has not been announced for this show yet, at least not officially. I could potentially see them shooting an angle this weekend at the Cinderella tournament to get her onto the show, which she had initially been reportedly um, attached to, uh, to defend the women's title. So they only have seven matches. So maybe coming out of this weekend, we will have that addition. It's especially if you add Mercedes, like this is a very strong card for new Japan next uh, month. Yeah. Could we see a title change? I would say, not zero percent. I'd say I'd say low, low chance of it happening. Um, but, but as well would not shock me. Um, if you also like, you have to sort of map this out. You figure Okada is going to be a big part of Forbidden Door, and what opens for him without the title? What are you able to do with Okada if he does not have the title? Or conversely, uh, if he does have the title, like Omega uh, challenging Okada for the title is. You know, it's, it's an idea you could certainly throw out there. There's, I feel my, my gut says Okada keeps the title. That would be my thought here. I don't see Sonata winning it. I don't either. Well, Will Ospreay is not going to be part of Sakura Genesis, and he's not going to be part of several upcoming cards. He is off this weekend's Rev Pro card due to the shoulder injury and has been replaced by Hiroshi Tanahashi for next Thursday's Impact and New Japan Multiverse United card. So now it will be Speedball Mike Bailey against Hiroshi Tanahashi. So Speedball has matches with Tanahashi, then Vikingo. Um, he's going to have a very busy week. Do you like this this new match? Is this a mm-hmm. adequate substitution for Will Ospreay? 
Yes, I really think so. I mean, Bailey versus Osprey, I think, might have been the most anticipated match of the entire uh, weekend, you know, at least non-WrestleMania. Um, but um, if you can't have Osprey, I think having really the franchise player of, of New Japan Pro Wrestling come in instead is a special attraction, you know, um, and I think it's a very special match regardless uh, of whether it's Tanahashi or Osprey. I think he's a more than, uh, you know, um, worthy substitute. It's a match that I I don't know if um, we would have expected to see uh, really anywhere, but a show like this. This is nuts. Okay. So, so Speedball, he's on the, uh, the Mark Hitchcock Memorial Super Show on Thursday night against Shigehiro Irie. And the same night, he's got Kota Bushi at Bloodsport. So he's going to be going from, from one venue to the next, from the Globe Theater to the Ukrainian Cultural Club. That's just on Thursday. Then, dude, later that night, he's got Tanahashi. That's all on the same night, those it's three crazy. matches. I know. Holy it's not, I mean, last year he was, was a crazy run for him too. You know, um, yeah, honestly, know. you could like fight should be promoting like a speedball special and, and just, you know, you could follow this guy's compilation of his matches from one show to another at a discounted rate. Um, like it's his week, really. Well, um, yeah. And then Friday he's got, uh, the, the GCW versus DDT show and then spring break. Uh, so that, that's what he's got. He's got five matches listed so far. Um, mm-hmm. man. So that's going to be quite the, uh, quite the weekend. He was the performer of the weekend last year and we will see if he repeats this year. He certainly has the, uh, the lineup to, to do so. Okay. Moving on. Uh, another note is that MLW has announced that reels will be airing Battle Riot five on April 25th. And what's notable about that is that when the Variety report came out, it had stated that MLW was going to end after a 10-week run, which the 10th week would be after the April 11th episode. So this at least ensures there will be an additional MLW episode beyond that 10-week mark. But still, we have not got definitive confirmation on what MLW's future is with Reels. Is is it going to – and the, the statement that Reels did provide um, certainly – still left you with that question that they are um uh i don't have the exact statement in front of me but it was it was hardly the uh you know uh discrediting the variety report nor uh a vote of confidence for mlw that they are there for the long term either so that still remains a question but we know they will at least have that airing april 25th uh on on reels and it won't be on peacock i'm assuming no i don't think that battle riot will making be making its peacock debut right Okay. Hmm. NXT on Tuesday night, they continue to build up the stand and deliver show for uh, WrestleMania weekend. We are now up to seven matches. And the update that they provided on Roxanne Perez is that she is okay and she'll be back, but we don't know when. And they are going ahead with this five way that they are billing for the NXT Women's Championship. So. They did not tip their hand if Roxanne is going to be added to this match. And next week's show is a taped show. They taped two shows this week um, with mm-hmm. next week's being done as well. So obviously they could do something to insert her into the match, but they did not lean towards that on Tuesday's episode. So thus far, that latter match has Zoe Stark, Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyria, and the fifth person to qualify will air on next week's episode. Uh, and it is not Roxanne Perez, so I will uh, I will avoid that before I get uh, DMs uh, blaming me for ruining a taped edition of NXT. Braun Breaker against Carmelo Hayes. Johnny Gargano and Grayson Waller is now an unsanctioned match way. Well, how do you follow a home invasion? You know, with, with what, a count out? 
you know, uh, uh, disqualifications. Come the California on. State Athletic Commission will not be present for this match. Andy Foster is going to uh, leave. He's going to go yes. get to uh, WrestleMania early. Uh, Kiana James and Fallon Henley against Elba Fire and Isla Dawn. So, Fen- so Fallon Henley and uh, and uh, Josh Briggs broke into Kiana James' office and they went through her day planner and found out about someone named Sebastian that she's been seeing on the side behind Brooks Jensen's back. So now mm-hmm. Fallon Henley approached Kiana and she was going to tell Brooks Jensen. But then later in the night, uh, after they, they fought off uh, Elba Fire and Isla Dawn, Fallon Henley agreed not to tell Brooks Jensen yet. Let me tell him. So this is the drama that is going on between the tag champions. And how will Brooks feel that Fallon Henley knew about this and did not tell him? Because um, he does not watch NXT either. So he's not aware of this segment that aired. I'm guessing he also doesn't go on Instagram too much because um, that would have been you know, a dead giveaway as well. She he she has also uh she has been very public about her marriage as well that uh hmm. um Brooks is not aware of. So that's hmm. uh that is also maybe, an, maybe Instagram doesn't exist in the WWE universe. Uh oh it definitely does because they hit us over the head every week with it. Sure. Uh North American Championship. So this is the five way, and Wesley got to pick the opponent. So this will be uh featuring Ilya Dragonov, JD McDonough, Dragon Lee, which is gonna be hell for the announcers to call. Wesley and Dragon Lee in the same match. You're right. Yeah. Um, double Dragon. Yeah. This is uh, th- this is designed to, if Vince McMahon stumbles upon Stand and Deliver, his head would explode. Um, I don't know if he would be watching this match either. This seems like a collection of talents that he would, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how much he would see in a JD McDonough or a Dragon Lee. Um, and then a fifth one, which will qualify after next week's Battle Royal airs. Uh, triple threat for the NXT tag titles with Gallus, Tony D'Angelo, and Stax, and the Creed brothers who they went into a bar and they all got drunk and agreed to a match at Stand and Deliver. It was a bizarre segment, almost as bizarre as the debate between the schism and Chase University that ended with Tyler Bate getting involved in the debate, a run in during the debate. And that has led to a eight person tag. It will be Andre Chase, Duke Hudson, Thea Hale, and Tyler Bate against Joe Gacy, Rip Fowler, Jagger Reed, and in her on-screen debut, Ava, Simone Johnson, making her on-screen debut in NXT. So that that might get some attention that week uh, going into it. Like the Rock's daughter having her she, – she's done house show matches, but this is her first match on television. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I wonder. It's a good-looking card. I'm, I'm like – interested in this you know and and i think the crowds will be really really hot you know um they've sold and- over 3500 tickets like for nxt like that's that's a very respectable number mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um yes and that's the the eight person tag is for control of chase university yeah huge stakes huge I mean, you know, they're, they're big operations, universities, you know, are, are they going to, I guess they'll be teaching all the time. You class. have to fund the faculty. I mean, yeah. Would you be dealing with like a union? Um, all that, all that mess. I'm, I mean, I'm is assuming it, is they this whole win. thing about, I mean, if Biden pushes this thing through to relax, uh, outstanding, uh, tuition debt. I mean, maybe Chase U is like they're owed all this money from, you know, past graduates and they could be out of luck. Could be. This, I'm might, guessing, this might not be the greatest time to take over a U.S. based university. Probably not. I'm guessing they changed the university name as well. You know, maybe you get Schism U, um, TMU. Yeah, like like we've had in in Toronto recently. Um, 
you know, you sometimes a, a university needs a rebranding, and maybe that's what what they're setting up here. Raw did not need a rebranding this week. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, 1,771,000 viewers, 0.55 in the demo, up 4% from last week. Uh, they were second for the night behind the World Baseball Classic. That Dude, I don't know what your timeline looks like. It was dominated by baseball these last two nights. This World Baseball Classic was a giant hit. Um, so it was number one for the night on FS1 and also aired on Fox Deportes. For Raw, though, uh, they had a very good third hour. The drop throughout the show was very, very minimal by Raw standards. So that was a positive and would certainly give credence that the Reigns road segment um, probably performed pretty well by third hour standards. But way we go to Canada where this past edition of uh, this Monday's edition of Raw did over 408,000 viewers, a number I've never seen for Raw. It is it is their highest number in years. It was number one in sports, beating out two NHL games. Women's Curling Championships, which is big here in Canada, uh, the World Baseball Classic, an afternoon preseason game with the Jays. Raw was number one on Monday. I cannot recall Raw ever being number one in sports, nor have, I mean, you would probably, you would have to go back years for Raw to have hit a number like that. Extremely impressive number. Do you look at any of that as uh, obviously WrestleMania build, but do you think coming off the Owen Zane angle on Friday that that has helped contribute to it because we're seeing both Raw and SmackDown uh, continuing to increase. I really have to think so. I mean, I think even if you're not Canadian, you'd probably be quite into the Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens bloodline story. But the fact that, you know, Sami Zayn, we just had that big Montreal show. Sami Zayn did a bunch of Canadian media. I'm sure that doesn't hurt these TSN it's numbers. It's the post-wrestling either. effect. This really took into effect when Sami Zayn talked to us. I think uh, that's, yeah, uh, well, that's a turning obvious. point for raw numbers. Really, it's obvious, yeah. But, um, be, you know, be, uh, I, I'm sure the fact that he's Canadian doesn't hurt at all. But I, I also just feel like maybe WWE is on an upswing heading towards this WrestleMania. Oh, it, it definitely is. And you can probably, you know, distribute the 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 reasons for it. But it's, it's extremely hot in Canada right now uh, mm-hmm. going into WrestleMania. We'll be very curious to see how this holds up post-Mania. NXT did uh, 550,000 viewers and a 0.12 in the demo. It was their lowest audience of the year. And this was going against the final, the championship game of the World Baseball Classic way, the U.S. and Japan. See, this is like Forbidden Door, but the baseball version uh, did uh, over 4.4 million viewers and a 1.46 in the demo, also doing uh, 492,000 viewers on Fox Deportes. So it dominated cable, uh, relegating NXT to 29th. And NXT was significantly hurt with female viewership. This was interesting. They fell 35% with women 18 to 49. And then in the 12 to 34 demo, this was interesting. Women dropped 67% from last week among 12 to 34. Men even. With last week, they were not missing their J.D. McDonough, Ilya Dragunov match. Not for any World Baseball Classic, nothing. We are tuning in. Uh, but women, not so much. And uh, doing 66,000 viewers in Canada. Uh, last thing here uh, before we get out of here. Impact has their special uh, coming up this Friday night that John Ceno and I will be doing a show on the cafe uh, going through. It will be Way and Kate from Montreal doing a free edition of Rewind to SmackDown at an hour earlier as well. You get the 10 p.m. Eastern start time, Way. Yeah. Two weeks Made my day last Friday to know we were going on at 10 instead of 11. I love hmm. it. 
Yes. Uh, though, if you watch Dynamite tonight, uh, based on what many people dropped, you would assume that Rampage is on Friday because many people slipped up on the show. Mm, understandable. It is. So the Impact show has Mickey James and Jordan Grace, which I'm thinking probably closes the show in the rematch for the Knockouts title. Josh Alexander, Frankie Kazarian, and Rich Swan against Alex Shelley, Chris Saban, and Kushida. Ace Austin and Chris Bay defend the tag titles against Shane Haste and Bad Dude Tito. A busted open match between Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer. It's a John Moxley match. So is that the is that the rule? Like, is it a first blood match with a cute name? Or, they have not or, given the uh, the stipulations. Or for do this. they have to just talk? I mean, let's be honest. This is a this is a branded match for their radio show that they are attached to. So we will see if they live up to the hmm. the literal definition. I should really t- walk that back because tonight was one of the rare non bloody John Moxley matches. That is true. Did not bleed. Trey Miguel, Lince Dorado for the X Division title. Deanna Perrazzo against Giselle Shaw. Jonathan Gresham against Speedball Mike Bailey. This is a rematch from No Surrender. Um, should be very good. Joe Hendry against Brian Myers. Um, Hendry has been very good in this role as a digital media, media champion. And then PCO takes on Kenny King as a PCO was a, so PCO was buried alive by Eddie Edwards the last time they were in Vegas. But PCO rose from the dead before the end of the episode, and he stalked his way back to Impact to haunt Eddie Edwards. And then he finally uh, got hold of Eddie Edwards, and they they fought out to the desert. And it looked like uh, uh, PCO was going to bury Eddie Edwards when um, a mysterious driver ran over PCO with a car. And it was revealed to be Kenny King helping his former Honor No More stablemate. So now PCO has to kill Kenny King in order to kill Eddie Edwards. So this is this has been a very long story that has uh, been woven. It's life and death. Sounds in, like in an, impact. A, an epic tale. Wow. Okay. Well, that's happening in Windsor, Ontario. Perfect place for uh, PCO and Kenny King. Windsor, Ontario at St. Clair College. So tune in Friday night on the cafe. Sino and I will be going through impact, the the good and the bad, uh, whatever comes out of this show. But tonight we are talking about the good and bad of dynamite. But before we can even get into the the bad, the good is always that no matter where you are in this world, you can get dynamite. Yes, you can, especially if you use NordVPN, our thanks to sponsor of the show, NordVPN. John, what what is, in your opinion, the greatest invention of the past 20 years? NordVPN. That might be the second greatest, but you could not use NordVPN unless you had Wi-Fi. And what's better than Wi-Fi? Free public Wi-Fi. It's changed our lives. It's convenient. It's free. It's Wi-Fi. But let me tell you something, John. Nothing in life is free, including free Wi-Fi. Did you know, John, that whenever you're connected to public Wi-Fi, whoever owns the hotspot can potentially steal all of your traffic? How terrible. I, d- I, I wasn't aware of that. Uh, yeah. Now I am. Yes. You, you should know. I'm sites, just giving it away. I'm, sites, I'm just... like, sites like Facebook, John, you know, have proven that you – and your no, don't don't disgrace the good name of Facebook. They would never steal my information. Facebook to tell you, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg Facebook. would try and take my information. You, he looks so so friendly, doesn't he? But uh, you might want to look into a VPN because a VPN makes sure that your data does not belong to anybody but yourself. Would you go into a place in public without any clothes, John? Would you? Um, let me think about that. No, probably not. So then why would you enter someone's Wi-Fi network without a VPN? 
How ridiculous does that sound? Huh? You've always you've always got to have protection. Yes, you do. NordVPN is one of the most established and reputable VPN providers in the field. Sign up through nordvpn.com slash postwrestling and a brand new offer just active today. Grab an exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash postwrestling and get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan of any size plus four months free. Four months completely free. I think this is actually a better deal than their Christmas uh, or their birthday deal. So um, I guess they waited until after their birthday to really give you the, the good offer. But four months free plus a discount. It's completely risk free with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. Again, NordVPN. Let me throw it up on screen here. NordVPN.com slash post wrestling. You can also find it in the show description. Let them know you found them through us by using our code. And again, our thanks to Nord for their sponsorship of Post. And we'll also kick in a bonus if anyone uses uh, NordVPN.com slash postwrestling. If you do that handstand that the woman in the picture does uh, and you send in a photo of you doing that, uh, we will post it here on the show. You might need to get your free Wi-Fi to look up a physical therapist after trying this. That would kill me. Yeah. That what looks is, really tough. What, is, what does this mean? Why? Why? Why did they choose this photo? I wonder. Um. How do you know what? If if you were protecting your your data, would you not want to celebrate in the same fashion? If I was this limber and and, and I had this this such good balance, then I, I suppose I would. Yeah, I would do it in public as I was using public Wi-Fi, knowing I was protected using a VPN. So this is more impressive than what Blossom would do in the the opening credits. Yes, yes, of course. All right. Dynamite tonight from the Cable Dahmer Arena. It's such a weird name because whenever I hear this this venue name, I always think of it as like they've named it after like a mass murderer. Yeah, I do too. I, it's it's unfortunate. It's not just me. A, okay. If you have a brand or something named Dahmer, um, it, it, I would consider changing it at that point. Yeah. So here we are in Independence, Missouri. Uh, WrestleTix reporting over 3,600 tickets out for the show. And we start off with an ambulance and Matt and Nick Jackson are being taken away. Hangman is there looking concerned. Omega comes out, says, turn the cameras off. But maybe this is going to air on all access. So the cameras keep rolling. They have no respect here for a potential uh, tragedy. And Paige opts to leave with Matt in the ambulance, but Callus holds Omega back. He's got a big match tonight. So Omega is very torn here as his best friends are taken away from a mystery assailant or assailants. And dude, you've got, you've got a match of the year to put on tonight. No, I don't. Don Callis was Twitter here, uh, representing, you know, what the priority was tonight. Mm, yes, he was. Uh, hey, I, a rare parking lot attack angle here in AEW at least to, mean, you know very much a, an NXT vibe to start off the show it really is I mean it's it unusual to start the show off yeah to start the show off with with any sort of angle and not a wrestling match or or even like a talking segment so this is unlike AEW to do it and I like the change up once in a while especially when you have a big story that you're trying to set up but the show must go on and we have our opening six-man tag Orange Cassidy is out first and to Align with his partners tonight. He has drawn on an O and a C on his cheeks as his face paint. Tony Schiavone was trying to figure out what this means. And uh, Taz had to explain. It's an O and a C. It's for Orange Cassidy. Hard to see from his vantage point, I guess. Maybe. I guess so. Uh, so 
he is teaming with Darby Allen and 64-year-old Sting, who celebrated his birthday by having a, a Sting match against the Butcher, the Blade, and Kip Sabian. And early on, Cassidy tags Sting uh, to go after the Butcher, and he's no-selling the forearms, loud boos for Butcher and Sting. It's like, dude, this guy could could like literally just stand in the ring and read poetry, and this crowd would be going nuts. He can do anything, and they're happy to watch him do it. He lands the Stinger splash, and then Sabian's in, and Kip goes to the top turnbuckle, and Sting does the slow roll to the opposite corner. So Kip runs to that corner and he climbs up, Sting rolls back, and then he tags out. So he has now just learned that Orange Cassidy is the smartest worker in this company, and this is going to get him to 70. I mean, at least that part of the gimmick, you know, Orange Cassidy, uh, the other half of his matches are are very very fast and very very active well he's going to take the parts that get the loudest response and are also like the least uh impactful on the body Mm -hmm. so penelope ford distracts bryce remsburg blade knocks darby off balance and they go through the break beating on darby and then blade yanks sting off the apron preventing the tag but darby makes the tag to cassidy in they go there's a powerbomb neckbreaker combo by butcher and the blade kip is playing to the crowd when sting shows up from behind Kip turns around and Sting hits him with the weak kicks and then does the light chest pounding. Uh, this guy is fantastic. Uh, Dex Kip, Kip and the crowd explodes for this. They are so behind Sting. The Scorpion Deathlock is applied and the crowd roars. Butcher and Blade are in. They're attacking. Finally, Sting is forced to release it. Darby's off the middle rope with a double coffin drop to Butcher and Blade. Stun Dog on Kip. Stunner by Darby and ends with the Scorpion Death Drop. Sting pins Kip Sabian. Whole arena goes wild. 11 minutes and 19 seconds. It is remarkable to watch these uh, these Sting matches uh, with his little buddies here, Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen. A very, very fun opener. Who knew you could effectively promote a 64-year-old in a wrestling match by sandwiching him in between two of the fastest wrestlers in the roster. It's a combination that has worked tremendously well with Darby Allen and Sting. And the addition of Orange Cassidy, you wouldn't think it, but actually fit incredibly well. I thought the combo was a lot of fun. Sting doing the Cassidy gimmick was the most memorable part of the match, maybe one of the more memorable parts of this entire show. And I'm sure he very much welcomed the excuse to try that gimmick out, at least for one night. I thought Kip and the Butcher and the Blade did a great job as well, setting up the heroes in the match. Good opener. Fun. Very fun match. Afterwards, uh, Orange Cassidy put the sunglasses onto Sting, and Darby is staring at the double or nothing sign. He didn't point, but he gave a death stare towards Pointed with his eyes, pretty much. Yes, this was a Darby. Make it very clear that you are looking at the sign, and he did. And Excalibur mentions all the 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 three of the four pillars wanting a title shot at MJF, and they air promos of all four. This certainly felt like well, the promo was set up that MJF is not just going to give these guys title matches; they have to earn them. This definitely feels like a four way is coming. It feels very much like the Sheamus and Drew versus Gunther type of build, you know, where they're putting everybody like both Sheamus and and Drew equally in focus in the story. And they're doing the same here. They're leading us to think that, yeah, okay, logically, MGF would only allow one person to challenge. They're going to come up with probably some sort of reason that justifies all three of them getting a title shot and it's going to piss MJF off. And we're going to get our four pillars four way, it looks like. 
And then we had a, a video package on Kenny Omega and this luchador I've never seen before. Who is this guy? What's the story? And they do the history of Omega and Vikingo that they were to meet in December of 2021, but Omega was injured. This was after the loss to Hangman Page at full gear that year and vacating the Mega Championship, which went to Vikingo, but they never got their match. Well, it happens tonight. Good video. I like this. And again, if this kind of spurred them on, I like this idea that they constantly were referencing this match. They had this video package that they built the show around it. Yeah. In an ideal world, you would have had this last week. We've learned since from Conan himself that yep. this was a last minute thing. I do question like how like a GCW was able to book Vikingo so early in advance and somehow, you know, schedules not being able to work out that way. But listen, they couldn't have asked for better promotion for this match than what took place over this weekend. By the time this match took place, it, it did feel like it was incredibly anticipated. Excalibur mentions getting a text from Brandon Cutler, who is in the ambulance accusing the House of Black of being behind the, the attack on the Young Bucks. And I thought this I, was I thought it was the B I thought I heard BCC, not House of Black. I was pretty sure they said House of Black. I could have been wrong. I thought all it throughout was- the rest of the show they also said the BCC were the suspected assailants here they said that at the end when they jumped omega but i thought this house of black thing was someone in the chat uh yeah chat room let us know i I could have sworn it was cutler uh, pointing a finger at the bcc but because why would they accuse the bcc of this random attack like the house of black like sends you kind of off the trail at least i was pretty sure they said house of black so they could still send you off the trail this just because the bcc attacked you know Stu grayson tonight doesn't mean that they did this attack either um, so chat room saying BCC. So I was okay. right. Well, there you go. Fact you check. It. I retire. Point ting. All right. <laughs> well, they blew it then. They just, uh, they, they called it right out here. Then we I, go. I, th- I think it's, it's a misdirect. I mean, I, I feel like the BCC aren't the ones. Oh, well, I mean, who knows? You know, like the, the mystery's still there for me, at least. The Guns and Top Flight meet for the tag titles, and they do bring up Danhausen's injury after taking the 310 to Yuma. So, yeah, he tore his pec, so he is he's going to be out for, for a time. They are in control of uh, Dante through the break, and then Colton grabs Dante's leg to prevent the nosedive. Darius takes care of him, so he hits the nosedive, but Colton returns, making the save. And then Bennett and Taven show up, attacking Darius on the floor. Dante dives onto them, but then as he comes back, he is caught in the 310 to Yuma. So the guns retain in seven minutes, and Darius goes after Bennett and Taven. Uh, that seems to be what is going to happen at Supercard of Honor. Uh, with, with They the announced match. it for... Um... Didn't they announce it for uh what what was the uh the kingdom match that they announced for? Was it for Rampage or for Dynamite next week? They announced the acclaimed and oh, the acclaimed, Bennett and right. Dave and Taven for gotcha. uh for Rampage. Gotcha. Uh so yeah, a short match for for what it was. Um not like one of your spectacular top flight matches, but this was also to you know, they had seven minutes and it was to send you on this this direction with Bennett and Taven as well. Mm-hmm. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. 
Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Afterward, FTR arrive, and they are incredibly over in this, uh, this audience. Colton says, no one wants to hear your song. Don't touch us. Cash just says, we're here for business. And they call FTR losers who lost three sets of belts, and you lost to us. I don't know if this was meant to be like an insult. Like, you guys lost to us. And there is nothing you can offer us that would allow us to give you a title shot. Cash says, what if we never challenge for the tag titles again if we lose to you? Like, no, we're not doing that. Then they state we will never team again in AEW. They don't care. No. Then Dax says, what if we quit AEW? And all of a sudden, like, this is... Is this a big thing? Like... To me, I, I would love, like, personally, like, you could never team again in this company. You would have to see each other every week, but you can't team together. Mm. Wouldn't that be way more? Uh, I think I think Austin should have just, or you know, kept saying no and then waited until FTR offered them never wrestling ever again. G- given that we have uh, this, this whole backdrop in AEW of uh, guys wanting to go to WWE, like, that is sort of the, the threat here. It's yeah, like, hey, you cannot go to the WWE if you lose. That should be part of the stipulation. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got you've to work. Dax uh, has to quit his podcast if he loses. Yeah, you've got to – you're going to be regulars <laughs> at a, a freelance wrestling. That's where you can exclusively work for the rest of time. Yeah. And so this time Austin agrees. And they go to shake hands, but instead they spit in the faces of Cash and Dax. So they're certainly leaning into the idea of their contract situation. And mm-hmm. I can't help but think that this is uh, going to be FTR winning these tag titles. I don't know. Go ahead. They're, they're, they're going to certainly throw that that doubt into there. And it'll, it'll make for a compelling match. When they I, think, I think it's a, it's, it's a perfect stipulation, you know, given um, whatever they've been trying to do online. Uh, could, be, could be legitimate, could not be legitimate. Um, in either case, I think it, this is the right type of story to tell. We were debating, John, you know, a month ago whether or not we'd even see FTR. And on, on AEW uh, again, and, and they're taking full advantage of everything that's out there without needing to explicitly say, hey, our contracts are running out. We might go to the WWE. So let's have this match. You know, it, we, we know what the story is supposed to be. They're keeping it within the, the realm of kayfabe. How about they win the tag titles and they still leave? People would never see that coming. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess not. No, let's swerve them. <laughs> what, where, where, how? How far do you think this uh this has to probably take place on television? So we're probably looking the next in the next month. So hold on, so hold on a second. This is this is dependent on what the the contract situation. What 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 are we looking at? Because what um double or nothing's too far away, isn't it? Well, I I would say just even throwing out the the contract stuff. Yeah, to do this angle on TV and to hold this match off until the end of May yeah, for two months happening. that's way too long. Uh, yeah. So I would think this has to happen on TV over the next uh, couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just looking here at what they have, uh, not having in St. Louis next week. Then you have Long Island. You have a Battle of the Belts. This is too big for Battle of the Belts. Milwaukee, Pittsburgh. So there, there's, there's a bunch of options. Mm-hmm. All right. Next segment, we had uh, highlights of Taya Valkyrie winning uh, her AEW debut against Ava Lawless uh, on uh, Rampage with the Road to Valhalla. And we go to Renee who's with Jade Cargill. Mark Sterling is now back with Jade, as we saw on Rampage. I mean, he's on a retainer. Like, he's, you know, he's he's her lawyer, but doesn't necessarily accompany her. Well, he hadn't been appearing with her for months. I think there was only one 
law firm um, in the AEW universe. And if you need a lawyer, you're only going to have to call one person, I guess. Well, Renee says that Taya answered an open challenge that was already closed last week and says that is her finisher. So Sterling is issuing a cease and desist, and Taya cannot use Jaded in AEW after Jade showed prior ownership, which to me, Taya would be able to go back and show uh, Impact and T and uh, AAA footage that she has prior use of the move before Jade Cargill was even thinking about becoming a pro wrestler. So I think she could have a case. I, I suppose so, but uh, you know, do, do those rights still apply in the promotion that you're trying to use it in? It's it's they're kind of like trademarks across ter- uh, countries, right? You know, across borders. Do you still own a trademark if she's if been you... using this in the U.S. prior to Jade Cargill? Okay, I'm not, ta- but, but I meant like the 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 borders of the promotions that they're currently uh, in. Does I mean, she this, own? This isn't a colony. This isn't AEW. Like they have their own law law system. Like they don't have their own. Well, why would they have? A, why, would, why would they have a lawyer then? If if, if if not for these ridiculous this individual you know, has a lawyer well listen i think this could be are contested you, are you telling me it's it's hard to suspend your disbelief for a contract storyline in yes. aw yes i think johnny lawyer is going to maybe make his aw return and uh hmm. could represent his wife maybe. so then layla gray takes the cease and desist and she is going to deliver it to her this friday on rampage yeah, like, mm-hmm. oh, uh-oh oops and Man. I was like, okay, Renee takes the mic and she says, is that a challenge? She says, that is a challenge. And Renee says, well, it's going down this Friday on Rampage. Oh, I was oh, like, that's oh. rough. I so, mean, it, it kind of tells you that like, I, you know, even like the, the pe- people producing, did Excalibur at least like, you know, correct her after afterwards or? Excalibur had his own moment later in the show that we'll oh, man, well. Oh, yeah. It was, it was tough. tough on the pros. I'll tell you though, like, for for all like uh Tony Khan is going to say like this network like so they they announced like we're going to do two live nights at the MGM Grand and then before tickets go on sale they have to yank the Friday show because they are going to be moving Rampage to the Saturday double or nothing weekend then they announced that they're going to do a live Rampage in Regina Saskatchewan July 14th they've got to yank that show and now it's happening the weekend before and it's just being called a televised event we don't know if it's Rampage we don't know if it's a different show um, you know, the, it doesn't seem like they get a whole lot of heads up. Like they make these announcements of like when they're going to go to a city, uh, to sell tickets. And then mm-hmm. it's like, boom, well, that weekend you're not going to be on Friday. Like it does, it would be very frustrating to me if I was announcing publicly dates yeah. and then the network is telling us that night is not going to work. Because especially when you're months out and it's like you can this is not like we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. We don't know if there will be a game on Friday or mm-hmm. Saturday. You accept that you're going to be in limbo. But when it's when you're talking about events that are in July, uh, double or nothing, that is not till May. Like we can't sort this out before we make the public announcement. I guess you would assume TV scheduling takes place at a much slower pace than maybe, you know, needing like booking a, a venue and, and selling tickets and, you know, drawing up posters and things like that. Um, it, it's one of the unfortunate things of, you know, I guess ha- being a B show that could, um, you know, move anytime on, on a, on a TV network that has a bigger property. Hook and Stokely Hathaway, the long awaited no disqualification match. They aired the highlights. This began on February the 8th. And now we, uh, we culminate with this and out comes Stokely in his nation of domination gear. Dude, Stokely was awesome in this match. I mean, just, you know, there is an art to being the, the, the chicken 
wrestling manager that finally has to be in the match. And he's just like so out of his element. And he played it so well here, I, I thought. Very much so, yeah. I mean, it gave you a lot of old school vibes. Absolutely. So Stokely says he is not medically cleared and he is retiring as of today. Thanks his 12 fans. And he has a doctor's note for Justin Roberts to read. And he hands over the note and it just reads, he's sick. And on a receipt from Wingstop that Justin reveals to the crowd and Bryce tears up the receipt and Stokely runs off into the crowd. Hook chases after him. Taz tells us of his, uh, his, his speed back in lacrosse. He'll catch him for sure. And he does throws him violently over the barricade, T-bones him on the floor, and then Hook brings out a metal barricade from underneath the ring. Uh, the firm are with Matt Hardy and Cassidy looking concerned backstage. Hathaway uses a fire extinguisher and then takes out a chair and lightly hits the ch- the the steps to convey how hard this chair is and then quotes Tupac. Hook stops him, hits Hathaway with chair shots, took very good care of Stokely with these chair shots, and then suplexes him on, onto the guardrail and bends the guardrail, lifts him up at the count of two to apply red rum and submit Stokely in three minutes and 16 seconds. Mm-hmm. I feel like we, we don't get these too often anymore. You know, these manager beatdowns um, that are somehow, you know, um, I guess uh, reluctantly forced to to wrestle. It, it feels rare. And maybe it's because it's kind of rare that we even get managers these days. But um, I enjoyed this. Again, it was a good old school manager beatdown with a good modern closing spot here with Stokely taking that uh, barricade T-bone suplex. So good Change of pace from the usual hook match, I thought. It was fun. The audience loved it. It was a change of pace and something that, hey, listen, they they went on long with this. And a lot of this played out on, on Dark and stuff with the buildup and training Stokely. But um, yeah, this, this was a fun match. Ethan Page is upset and Matt Hardy is stating, you are the man that can avenge Stokely. So it mm. looks like he will he will move on to Ethan Page. So Matt Hardy is like, you know, covertly manipulating the firm into, you know, yeah, I would put covertly up. in quotations like it's um not sure. exactly um too hidden here. So can can they hold off on this one until they go to Hamilton in uh June with Ethan Page? Um <laughs> I don't know if they want to do that. Well, this one went pretty long, so who knows. I, I guess I meant, you know, he would he would be a babyface you would expect, but maybe not. Maybe not in in Hamilton. Uh Tech 9 was in a was in attendance in the crowd. He wanted to see Vikingo. Adam Cole comes out. There's a huge chant for Cole. I mean, dude, this crowd, I can't say enough. They were so awesome on this show. They were mm-hmm. fantastic. They made so many of these stars feel like mega stars. Adam Cole being one of them. And he asks who's ready for story time. They all pop. His return matches in seven days. He feels great. But who will my opponent be? So out comes Daniel Garcia, who is uh just completely done up in all of his leather and he is now like amping up this accent of his that i guess is very is is this a buffalo accent i don't know what a buffalo accent is um i uh i i I guess i don't know either um (laughs) i don't know if this was supposed to be it maybe maybe it was this Um, feels like daniel garcia merged with like um uh I'm I'm trying I'm trying to put my my finger on it like what this is a a combination of. Um, he looks like a member of like New Kids, you know, like he was wearing his leather jacket like kind of half off of his shoulders and yeah, uh, kind of Andrew Dice Clayish. 
That's what I was going for. Really? Okay. The, more so the look. Not not, yeah. not quite the accent, but um, I, I think it's hilarious. Like yeah. he, he he does his great. dance and stuff. I mean, this is it's um, great. Yeah. So the crowd is on Garcia. He is a locker room leader, a self-professed one, and he's here to put Adam Cole in his place and makes fun of him being home playing Twitch for nine months while I was here beating Ricky Starks, Brody King, and Brian Danielson. I've headlined more AEW programming than anyone on the roster, which I guess is one of those, it's technically true if we ran the numbers. I mean, even that is impressive. I guess you, I guess he's headlined a lot of editions of dark and elevation. Is that, I would think suggest- those, those pump up the numbers a bit, but he, he's done his hmm. fair share of, of rampage main events as well. So, um, okay. AEW programming, there's a big scope that that, uh, encompasses and he is the lifeblood that pumps this company. He is better at this. I'm a better pro wrestler, but then catches himself in the crowd ooze. And he says, I'm a better sports entertainer correcting himself. Cole says, what makes me special is when the bell rings and thinks, Daniel Garcia, you're very good and you could lead this company, but the JAS have given you a false sense of security. I'm a multi-time world champion and you are crazy for challenging me. Next week is going to be a statement to the locker room that I am still one of the best wrestlers on the planet and I am back. So very good promo from both guys, I thought, to set this up for next week. Possible this could be your main event next week on the show, depending on what else is announced. As of now, this is the only match. But remember, this is also the lead-in for All Access. So yeah. um, there is that connection with mm-hmm. Adam Cole. So uh, yeah. there you have it. Adam Cole and Daniel Garcia next week. I like the match. I like the match as a re-debut for Cole a whole lot. I mean, it, it's, it feels completely fresh. It's, you know, it, it, it almost guarantees quality in ring. Um, and I think it gives something for Daniel Garcia to do. It was a really good showing from Daniel Garcia here. I feel like um, he's been a bit quiet lately, at least, you know, on the dynamite front. And this just reminded us how good he is now on the microphone as well. He really does feel to me like he's a, a complete package. You know, we know in ring he's great, but I think he show, he's shown incredible charisma as well. Here, it seems like he's just kind of um, reminding us of his long-term story, and that's his inner struggle to suppress his pro wrestler in order to fit into this, you know, sports entertainer mold. And I I hope somehow he springboards out of this Adam Cole match into something that's a bit more focused and, and and something a bit more uh, sustained in terms of story. Um, I thought Cole received a great reaction. Like he sounds good to me, Um, but it's still a ways away. I think from, you know, me wanting to say that I prefer him as a baby face. Like, you know, he's still going to be so much better as a heel. I'm very curious to see like what the reception to this TV show is like. Cause I, I think you want to make him a baby face because this, the story in the show is going to be very much a baby face story. Um, and how much of that will translate to the rece- reception he's already receiving on screen. Do you see this as just this is Cole's return match, solid win, and he's propelled up high? Or do you play up that maybe he's not a hundred percent and you like he's like does that help all access at all that this guy is not fully healed on TV and you're watching the story on all access? I think that's a great idea. I think no matter what, if you're coming back from a long term injury like that, you should use it to your advantage to, you know, give give the character an Achilles heel just to be able to, you know, uh, draw some sympathy. Absolutely use it. I think you obviously give him the win, but remind the audience that, hey, I've got this injury lingering and I, it could flare up at any second. Alex Marvez just barges into Kenny Omega's locker room, which is um, a scenario that did not go well the last time 
Um, no, it did not. <laughs> no. And Omega's arguing with Don Callis that he should have gone to the hospital. And Don Callis, dude, Don Callis was great in the segment for what it needed to be. He is just dismissing injuries happen. I sent Nakazawa to the hospital. Don't worry about it. And then Don Callis, like clearly seeing this man is just beside himself that his friends are in the hospital, says that them getting attacked and sent to the hospital might have been the best thing to happen to us because now you can focus. They'll be fine in a few months. The God of pro wrestling is back and it starts tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Really, I mean, I mean, the most, um, I think, overt, you know, tell that that Callus is behind um, this entire thing. Oh, we would get more overt later. Yes. Yeah, uh, but we don't know who he's al- aligned with. I mean, they want you to think that he's aligned with the BCC, but I don't know if that's. Um, I think that's a misdirect. But yeah, I thought that I thought this was a good setup for the closing segment here. John Moxley and the re-signed Stu Grayson. Uh, they had a nice match here. Uh, Saito suplex uh, by Moxley and then shoulder blocks Grayson off the apron into the rail. Uh, we come back from the break. Uh, Claudio and Yuta are walking up to Grayson. So Silver and Reynolds back them off. And Grayson, meanwhile, climbs to the top and hits a moonsault to the BCC on the floor. Grayson then drops Moxley in the ring, 450 for a two count, and then goes for the nightfall backbreaker. It's countered to the bulldog choke, and then knees to the head. Moxley transitions to the rear naked choke, but Grayson fights to his feet, cannonballs Moxley into the corner, breaking free. And then Grayson stops the paradigm shift and lands a Pele kick, and Moxley nails him to the back and uh, headbutts him and ends with a avalanche death rider and pins him in 10 minutes and five seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always like seeing you know like a like a John Moxley beat down here, but I thought Grayson was given a whole lot of offense and time to shine as well. I thought there were moments, especially at the beginning before the commercial, that felt a little bit off. Like certain things might have been mistimed, but um, maybe the that paradigm was just shift block by Grayson was certainly like it, it seemed like he was going for one thing and it wasn't uh, exactly. Timed it was a few well. of the Irish whips I felt at the beginning, but I mean, uh, you know, maybe I'm looking too deep into it and there really was nothing there. Um, I thought the match had me at least. It, it, it didn't reach my expectations. This match, like I just thought this was a chance for Grayson to have just a blow away performance. I, I would not say the two had that. Well, I, I would say like even putting Stu Grayson in a match like this, at least initially had me questioning um, whether or not it, this was like the best way to take advantage of the momentum that I, I thought he really built for himself with the re-signing and of course the match last week. But it's clear that they c- intend on continuing the story. So I, I have hopes that like, I just don't want Stu Grayson to fall back into obscurity. You know, like what's the point um, if you know, of re-signing him if you're just going to relegate him on dark again? Yeah, the BCC take off as Silver, Reynolds, and Uno check on Grayson, and we would have a follow-up to this later in the show. Then we had this very bizarre interview. Renee interviews Ricky Starks and asks him about Juice Robinson, and Ricky Starks is so sick of talking about this. He's annoyed that he has had to cut short time from his vacation to come here to address what happened two weeks ago involving Juice. So this guy doesn't even want to be here challenges him for rampage and then says this thing with juice is the craziest thing that's ever happened in my life i'm sick of it in his whole fucking life he's about to say and he storms off this 
this attack by Juice Robinson, the craziest thing that's ever happened. I don't think it's even the craziest thing this year when you consider he went to a show with his friend and there was a security photo that leaked of him at the Alamo Dome. That's Hmm. way crazier that that was even a thing. And a guy jumped me in a pro wrestling ring. That's the craziest thing of your life. I mean, hey, we we don't know what what this has done to him, you know, personally. This guy was as much angry about Juice as he was that like he was booked for this interview on Dynamite to address this. Uh, it was just so. I think I think what's happening here is, um, well, obviously, so Rampage is tapes, and and so he's wrestling tonight. Yes, and they yes. need a reason to to you know promote it, and I think just in storyline in character, Ricky starts realizes it's been a while since he's had a i guess match or at least it's been a while since this attack and he realizes how redundant these meaningless interviews are with renee and i thought this was just the the way he you know he was trying to address it um you know i mean it's been two weeks okay he's coming off the jericho program that people certainly criticize the length for so this is nothing sure yeah i guess so i mean that um, yeah, yeah crazy crazy next was the follow-up episode of QTV, where we have uh, Harley Cameron here, who has footage that she shot on her phone at Rampage of Hobbs and Phoenix. I was waiting for maybe them to get a, her to get a YouTube strike on this. Um, Did you post this match from your from if it's, if it's handheld footage, I mean, depends if AEW allows it, I guess. I don't think it would get auto-struck. Um, well, she's got footage of the match with Hobbs beating Phoenix, and they laugh over the fact that Penta did not help his own brother. Then they make fun of Alex Abrahantis, and we get the uh, Aaron Solo making a joke about an observer's Twitter account talking about hotels. And he says he took credit for hacking into Dave's Twitter, basically, and um, started something about hotels. I, I, I wasn't following, so there was a thing about hotels. Th- this was a, a really stupid story. That So what happened was... Somebody had asked Dave about how WWE handles um, road expenses like car rentals and hotels. And his explanation was that they handle internationally and here domestically, the talent have to uh, Mm -hmm. pay for their own rentals and, and such. So I guess this this passed and somehow this was directed to Tony Khan, who read the answer. That doesn't say WWE and responded as though he was saying this about AEW. So Tony Khan responds stating, this is not true, Dave. We pay for our hotels and we pay for our cars and we're very proud of this. So you would think that people would just look at the initial tweet and realize Tony Khan is answering something that had nothing to do with AEW. Instead, all of these people ran with this thing that, oh, they he shut down Dave. He refuted Dave. It's like nobody had any reading comprehension here. So this became a thing as I see it always does. See, I didn't even know. Stupid Twitter content. I think everybody on this planet, especially if you're talking about professional wrestling, we should all get off of Twitter. It's a completely broken system of communication. I mean, it's great for promoting dream matches, you know, with four days notice, I guess. But God, is it is it awful? It's uh, it's not something I miss, to be quite honest, of like just like limiting it to you know when i have to throw stuff up like promotionally like that's that's about it and it's uh you don't miss anything so anyway that's my twitter rant 
Hobbs is going to defend his title against Penta this coming Saturday on Rampage. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people hate these. I just take them for what they are. I think they're in they're 30 seconds. Yeah, they're they're like, you know, was this just, was this RJ's hand? Because I was actively watching it. Is he sitting behind? I just see a there hand. There was a mystery guy behind the thing. We did not see uh I did not see RJ City this week, so you I don't know. see a face. I, I also know he doesn't get flown into every uh show, so I don't know. Maybe they want. Does he have a hand model like Otis? There could be a decoy RJ City hand out there. Yeah, he's got a he's got a stunt hand. Stunt hand. Yeah. For the shows he's not at. Very possible. Very observant. Excalibur had to do this read for all access and then promote this. uh, They did like one of those seat upgrades for a family presented by all access or whatever. He ends this promo read by stating, is it possible for me to say the words all access any more times than that? (laughs) I mean, this guy's just there's I was watching dark on Tuesday and there's a point where Excalibur goes to Taz. It's like, you know, when you call so much wrestling as you and I have to call, you run out of stuff to talk about. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) It's like True. no one is no one is scanning the show's commentary. It's like they're on total just. Yeah. It's a it's a fun vibe that the two of them have, but it's like the t- Excalibur is like I feel this guy is kind of at his limit of what he has to do in a given week for this company. Sky Blue and Tony Storm is next. They go eight minutes and fifteen seconds, including through a, a commercial break, and Storm is beating down on Blue, but she fights back, hits a high cross, and then Storm stops the code Blue and hits a Thez press tornado DDT by Storm for a two count, and then Blue gets out of the way of a hip attack, and Ruby gets onto the apron, distracting the ref as as Sky Blue hits the code blue. So blue gets up, goes after Ruby and sidesteps. Tony rolls her up and gets a near fall. And from there, it's a shotgun drop kick, hip attack, release German and storm zero by Tony for the win in eight 15. Uh, but a decent little match that they, they had here. I thought like by the last few minutes, like they semi bit on the near fall with the roll up and got into sky blue by the end. I think Sky Blue does a really good job in these sort of matches, even though like, I mean, we all know she's there to lose, but I think she wrestles hard enough to make you remember the performance and to make you take notice. And, you know, even though I don't think we've really heard her cut too many promos, um, just these performances alone, I think, are at least establishing her into the audience and making everybody remember her name. I enjoyed this. You know, um, I'm looking for a bit more personality, maybe from the baby face side. Now at this point, I think they built some decent momentum for these outcasts. They built a bit of a a good, you know, a a level of identity, I would say for them. And now I want to see the faces come back. We we've seen them pair up now. We've seen, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Willow with sky blue with, uh, 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 Riho. Um, who's going to be the one talking for them? You know, well, like what, what do they have to say? What's their motivation to defend AEW? Uh, they're the in casts. The in cast, okay, cast in. Uh, so, so what? Uh, are Hader and Baker still involved with all this? They've got to choose a, a, an allegiance, I guess. Now they're caught what? in the middle. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't been around here. Um, so they go to spray paint sky blue and make her sky green, but instead, out comes Willow and my favorite visual of the show. Actually, that pre Vikingo, my favorite visual of the show. Riho runs down this ramp swinging this pipe and yeah. she's just swinging it like a lasso around yeah. her and this thing like <laughs> it's the most goofy looking weapon but they run for the hills as Rio uh, clears the ring with Willow and uh, they save Sky Blue from a spray painting. It was great. Yeah. 
Saturday Night Rampage, Hobbs and Penta, Taya Valkyrie and, Le- and Layla Gray, Brody King against Jake Hager, The Kingdom against The Acclaimed. And after all that, we will hear from Ricky Starks. He has challenged Juice Robinson. Will it be accepted? So we're not even getting this match on Rampage. Wait, so, the, wait, the, the match is done for The graphic Rampage? was we'll hear from Ricky Starks. It was not the match announcement. But they put, and, they promoted the, the match. I know. I know, but then the graphic came up and said, we're going to hear from this guy. I just heard from him. What more can we, he say? Well, listen, John, this is the craziest thing that's ever happened to his life. I think he's referring to the fact that he's on a constant loop of these interviews and not finally wrestling the guy. That is it's Groundhog Day. It's it's fucking crazy. What if every show he said he cuts the same promo with Renee? Let's see if anyone notices. It and would certainly rival the Jericho program. Yeah. Yes. All that and more coming up this Friday. Uh. Saturday, my mistake. Rampage. So mm. give the man a, a mulligan here. And then we just got Colin Garcia for Dynamite. More matches to be announced on Rampage. The medical team is checking on Stu Grayson. Moxley appears st- stating it's just business, and they beat the hell out of him. The BCC, three on one. So Grayson is left lane. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, really putting more heat onto the BCC as heels. I think making you connect the dots to lead you to think that they are also responsible for um, the Bucks attack. I think doing a good job of uh, what I, I believe uh, is a misdirect. But yeah. Main event time Kenny Omega against El Hio del Vikingo. And Vikingo comes out, Triple A mega championship over his shoulder. And they explain that this title was vacated by Kenny in 2021. Vikingo succeeded him as champion. And Justin Roberts does the whole laundry list of Omega's accomplishments, including being 2-0 and in Independence, Missouri. He held the title longer than Bakingo. He's 1-1 and in North Carolina and then comes out to battle cry with Don Callis. And it's a, it's a pretty impressive entrance. And they note that Kenny's last singles match on Dynamite was in this very same arena in November of 2021 against Allen Angels. Really? Wow. This yes. particular arena. This same arena. So this is the, the his last singles match on Dynamite and the arena where he had the Iron Man match with Pac. So a wow. significant arena now for Kenny Omega, like three. Uh, well, I'd say two of the most famous matches now in Dynamite history between this and the Pac match. With Every time he match. comes back, I think he's going to have to have the singles match. He's He has taken over Independence, Missouri. Mm-hmm. So before Kenny can even get to the ring, Vikingo dives onto him onto the floor, comes back, hits a second dive, and we are off. A, like they're hitting a 15 here on a scale of 1 to 10. The bell rings, and we get the the inverted splash into a Rana off, off the turnbuckle to Kenny. And at this point, I mean, this is already spectacular, about two minutes in. Uh, and you just know this is going to be something else. Uh, I will do my best to recap, like, the biggest stuff in this match. There was a shooting star off the apron, and Kenny takes over. And the announcers did a great job of conveying it's a much more aggressive Omega who's already upset because of the Young Bucks situation. His mind is elsewhere. And this is not Kenny here just... uh having fun or taking it easy. So he brings out a table and sets it up ringside and just leaves it there. And everyone's mind is just, how will this table be broken? Because it's not going to be a guy just slipping off the apron and going through this table. So it just sits there. 
Then we get a spinning Rana delivered to Omega. They fight on the apron with chops, and then Kenny Omega delivers what might be the the most beautiful monkey flip you've ever seen with Vikingo launching himself in the air and coming down onto the edge of the apron. Part of me thought he was going to monkey flip him through the table, but that would have been too calm. It looked like that, actually, from the angle, but probably not really possible. Vikingo stops a snap dragon and then balances himself on the on the metal post and from there hits a dragon rana to Kenny off the edge of the apron. Insane. It was unbelievable. Then they make their way onto the top turnbuckle and Kenny goes for a top rope powerbomb, which is countered with a rana in midair. As spectacular as uh, Ray and Eddie doing it in 97. I mean, this this was nuts um, and no margin for error here. Like, they just nailed this. Uh, and oh, Vikingo proceeds to go stand on the middle rope from the outside of the apron and proceeds to hit a Phoenix splash. This whole place is going nuts. Kenny recovers, hits a V-trigger for two, hits another one, lifts him up for the one-winged angel, but Vikingo counters it by punching him, scales to the top, and then flips in midair, landing on the shoulders into a poison Rana. This dude could not miss with anything that he shot for in this match. And with Kenny rolling onto the table, we get a step-up 630 splash through the table to Kenny on the floor. Amazing. I just, I could not believe this. Vikingo follows, misses with a 630 in the ring. The V trigger lands and Omega wins with the one winged angel. Um, unbelievable match. Um, this is, dude, Kenny might be one, two this year for best match of, of the year. I thought this was so incredible. This is one of the, the best television matches I've ever seen. Period. I just couldn't say enough about it. Yeah. I think if you've seen, you know, any of the Vikingo stuff through, uh, GIFs. Uh, and yes, I, I will refer to them as GIFs. I think your expectations would have been incredibly high for something like this. Uh, and I thought they lived up to everything. Those people who would have not heard of the Kingo before, I think would have come in at least with a, a bit of interest, a lot of interest, I should say, you know, stemming off of the entire debate online. And I think they would have been more than convinced of the hype leading to it. Uh, it was a tremendous match. It really was. You need follow up. Like this guy needs to be back. Like you can't just this can't just be a a one off. Like this is to be this is one this is one case where I really hope AEW they treat this like a classic coming out of it. Like just on Friday, dedicate a few minutes to this unbelievable match we saw. Like you produce a match like this, now make it a legendary match that people are going to remember. Yeah. I'll be curious because I don't know if they'll have plans for a, another match with the Kingo. You know, um, I don't know if this is supposed to be a follow up, but I will say if they do get him again, they should make it a pay-per-view level match because I think the anticipation will be that much. I'm assuming AAA will get the, the rematch at some point. Um Possible. Will, will they have the Kingo long enough to tell us a like, same like story? Like in theory, it makes sense. Like Kenny should get a title shot out of this. Like that makes all the sense in the world for like one of your Triple Mania shows. And just promotionally, you know, you get one, I get one. So, um, you know, is there room for like a significant long-term story? I don't know. I kind of, I can't, I'm kind of doubtful of that, John, just because uh, Kenny's involved with his own storyline right now in, in, in AEW. And this just felt more to me like a one-off, but because of the reception coming off of it, they have to do a good job of at least, of, you know, promoting the second one. Well, we know he's going to be in California for Mania Week 
like that that Wednesday, you could potentially have them on. Like they're like that that should be open. But before the show ends, uh, Shivani gets into the ring. He's interviewing Kenny, and Kenny is stating how he questions if he can still keep doing this. But before he can finish his thought, the BCC jump him, and Excalibur surmises they jump the Bucks. And now they're going after Kenny and the ambulance returns in the parking lot and it's being driven by Hangman Page. The whole crowd is chanting cowboy shit as they continue to stomp on Omega and Hangman chases them out with a two by four. He had Janice here with the nails coming out of the two by four and hmm. they take off Janice and then, has entered the forbidden door. Yeah. Janice, Janice Carter making, making her debut here on AEW programming and then with Omega down Don Callis walks up from behind Hangman and Hangman turns around he doesn't know who's there and then Callis takes a phantom bump onto the onto the mat and then Kenny comes to and he sees Callis down and he starts questioning Hangman and gets upset and storms off leaving Hangman so um I, I thought I thought this was a, like a little bit too much for me like I understand, I like the idea of what they're doing here. The that Hangman and Omega, they're still at odds here. But this is one of those angles where I just I hate when the babyface is put into the situation of looking so um, inept. Like uh, for all I, intents and purposes, should he not see this replay and have nothing to do with Don Callis, who is clearly manipulating him? Well, sure. I mean that 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 type of logic would would defeat a lot of professional wrestling storytelling. You know, aren't, aren't the Bucks watching this? Isn't Kenny going to rewatch this? Isn't Paige going to rewatch this afterwards? We so have then I to... ask, is it that great an angle? Are there ways to have done this without making it so... Um, Can't you say this about that the, giant the, hole. Like the entire bloodline thing? You know? Like, when, like wouldn't, wouldn't Jay have seen Roman talk to Heyman after he left the room? And when Heyman asked him, did you get what you're looking for? Like, wouldn't that lead Jay to feel suspicious? I mean, I, I just think at some point we have to suspend. They've actually disbelief. called that stuff out in the bloodline angle. Yeah, but not consistently. When they, when they saw when they saw Jay talking to Sammy in the parking lot, and they yeah, and we complained about how rare that was and how inconsistent it was with the rest of the this type of storytelling. I I didn't hate it, John, because I think occasionally in I, I did not hate this, but to me, it did, it did come off to me as just. I think at times they overthink some of these angles a bit too much. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, I just know that this is the path that they needed to go. They need to draw draw the scent between. Yeah, they're making us work for the Kenny Omega, uh, Young Bucks, Hangman Page reunion, and they're going to use Don Callis to, you know, drive that wedge in between them. Don Callis, this whole time, has been ma- manipulating these, likely facilitating all of these attacks on uh, on on the Bucks and and everybody else. And he's going to be the one to, you know, um, that 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 Page and Omega and the Bucks will have to team up with in order to defeat after this i Um, i love the story like the reunion story is a great story i could go for a little bit more of us being left as to where like leaving some question for you and i think the question is whether or not the bcc are involved and i think that's the mystery we know callus now has turned but we don't know who he sided with well that was uh a pretty tremendous edition of Dynamite. Again, I, I think this was one of the best matches in, in Dynamite history. It might have been at the top for me. That That's how high I thought of of that match. So for, for that reason, I would say this was a excellent show on Wednesday night. Yeah, really good in-ring show. Uh, really good, I think, in terms of storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. 
a lot a lot of different angles introduced on on this show of where of where they are going and and kind of a a, a cool down period of, like no MJF on this show and sort of left to that video package and you did not have to ram all that into or cram all of that into this one episode but you certainly do know the direction that they're heading with the four of them yes mm-hmm. All right. Well, now we open it up to you. If you would like to uh, send in a super chat, you are welcome to do so. And we will be going to the forum where a bunch of people have left their thoughts. Let's go to uh, Rob. Rob Bahari, who sends $3. Thank you, Rob, for your constant support. He says, can the selflessness and the Kingo's talent equals magic? Yeah. I mean, that was, um, you know, this to me would have is like a modern era flare sting where this was not so much uh, a coming out party for vikingo but for some like that had just never seen him on on this kind of a, a uh of a showcase like this was all about making this guy a star to an audience that might not have been familiar with him i mean it was just it was outstanding i think it was also to like maybe at least address a lot of the criticisms about whether or not this was worthy of a dream match billing as well well, if, if that was the end result, then I'm, I'm fine with the, uh, wh- whatever got them to produce the, this, this match and the whole lead up to it throughout the two hours. All right. Let's go to forum.postwrestling.com. Do you want to start us off, John? Peter Forsberg himself, uh, from Colorado. Uh, is it just me or is Adam Cole skinnier and smaller than ever? It's comical. He's billed as six feet and plays a badass character. He's talented, but why does he not at least? Lift a little to try and look the part. This sounds like a, a parody uh, piece of feedback. Um, that main event was fun as hell, although certainly not a dream match for me as I've never heard of the other guy. All right. So um, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. I guess. Yeah, this was- I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. And um, it certainly I think we're way past the point of like um, needing guys to look massive especially if you're as talented and if you can talk as well as an Adam Cole. And especially if you're talking about a promotion like AEW, how big is MJF, you know? Um, and how many of us doubt his ability to like feel like a capable champion? How big is like a CM Punk or a Brian Danielson for that matter? Like this is really the last place I think you would um, make that sort of criticism. Like Zane. I mean, it's like, it's, I don't think that is uh, prevalent in many modern fans consumption of professional wrestling, nor if you are following like what has drawn in combat sports either. Like size to me is, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, to me, it's, it's a really um, low hanging fruit argument that doesn't really come with much substance when you actually, um, how, how tall with, is with, Peter Forsberg? I mean, he was up. a pretty he, he was a fairly big guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Let me see this. Peter Forsberg. 108, 1.83 meters. Okay, what's what what, what is that in feet? Uh, it's we're, we're least, spending way too much time it's, on this. It's six feet. It's at least right. six feet. Okay. Let's so he's on. got a point. Steve Grows Wheat says, I'm not sure why Stu Grayson didn't get the win tonight. This is a pretty one-sided feud. Dark Order, we're getting serious and showing a tougher side, which could be a great way to rehab them. A good showing isn't enough. Mox can afford a loss to give the guys he's feuding with some credibility. So clearly I wrote that before the amazing main event, but Kingo is incredible. But yeah, it's clear they just moved on from Dark Order. Really good post-match. Kenny, watch the tape mid-show with the great main event. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they actually address Kenny Omega watching the tape. Um, Because, yeah, like if if we're making that criticism, maybe Tony Khan is listening to it and they'll come up with some way to address why Callis did what he did. Who knows? Um, 
Yeah, Grayson, listen, like we know he's not he's where he's going to be slotted. He, you're not suddenly going to have him beat John Moxley unless and, I wouldn't have been Grayson. making that call either. Like to, now is not the time. I wouldn't have Moxley. made the match if if you wanted to push Stu Grayson. Yeah, you could you could certainly argue that. Yeah. This was, you know, you could have put um one of the other Dark More Order members in there for sure. Like that's or Stu Grayson versus somebody else, or Stu Grayson and Evil Uno versus somebody else and yeah. give them a win. But it's clear that he's not the project. He's not the person going on to double or nothing for a match. You know, he's there to play supporting character. Um, but there's still ways you could build him. I, I guess we'll see. We'll see because clearly he's still attached to the story. Chris Elliott, I don't usually stay awake long enough to formulate some feedback, but that main event was incredible. I hope there's more to come of Vikingo and AEW and that this is the start of a big singles run for Kenny. I assume we get a rematch for the title somewhere down the line in, in a triple A. I, I would think like that's almost a guarantee uh, at this point, given you pin the champion. As for the rest of the show, Garcia and Cole should be good next week and Sting was fun to watch. The FTR step felt obvious, but I like that it creates just enough doubt in the tag title match. Let's go to Muggin, who says, right away, the main event saved this rather substandard episode. Vikingo did some unbelievable stuff, and he made a lot of new fans in one night. He and Omega shut it down, and the Hangman-Omega reconciliation took another step, as Callus is playing them against one another when he played Possum. Not much progress in how the world title scene, uh, and I in the world title scene, and I just hope that Cole doesn't get sucked into the Jericho-verse for too long. Well, it's uh, we will see how that match goes next week and where because I I don't see if you are going with this this title program with MJF and the other three, um, you know, Cole needs to be a major baby face. I think with the hope that this all access show like he feels like the biggest beneficiary potentially if this all access show is a hit. And that's a big mm-hmm. if. Um, but it's, you know, certainly I think he should certainly be a baby face during the duration of that show, which hopefully is going to put him in a very endearing light to the audience and take him to the next level that he's just been missing before it, you know, this, this company needs another big baby face star or a heel star. But I would think for this show, it's designed to get Cole to that level. Just, well, just seeing how much airtime they've been giving, giving Cole just to kind of come out and speak in anticipation of his first match back, how big of a deal they're making his first match. It really tells me that there's a very good chance that he'll be the one challenging MJF for a headlining bout at double or nothing. The timeline, I think, would make sense. You know, by that point, maybe the, the TV show will have ended. Um, and we'll be talking, hopefully, about Adam Cole a whole lot more than we are even now by then. All right. Next up, we go to Corey. That main event. Wow. Match of the year. Kenny really is the best in the world. As soon as his singles music hit, he feels like a much bigger deal. As the kids would say, it hits different. Great storytelling after the main. Hot, hot show by the end of the night. Love the show. Longtime listener. That's Corey from Austin. Thank you, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Let's go to Cody from Maine. Show long storylines when done correctly and so much to an episode. Add so much to an episode. Tonight was a perfect example. Melodrama is something that AEW thrived on when it first began, and it's great to see them return to form. Good payoff after a phenomenal main event. Omega will be tough to beat for wrestler of the year in 2023 if that continues. Uh, one question, the red, white, and blue ropes. Would you keep them full-time to match Dynamite's color scheme? Or is it better for a one-off like this in Independence, Missouri? I can't say I even noticed the color of the rope. So by default, my question would be, um, it, I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I didn't notice it. Um, Jordan actually, you don't point it out to me. By the way, uh, we will be back for an edition of the wellness policy tomorrow. Not going live. This one will be pre-recorded. Uh, it's for a, a you know, a, a pretty, pretty heavy subject. Um, where we'll be talking about grief and loss, uh, with Jordan, who, you know, has, uh, recently suffered, 
um, the loss of his father. So it's a bit of a heavier one. We're going to be recording it personally, although we might send a streamer link out there to uh, people in the Discord. But uh, we'll be releasing that as well. But anyway, Jordan was watching the show tonight, and uh, he he pointed it out to me. I had no idea. I thought they began, you know, when when they refreshed it. But I guess it was something specific today. Today, Independence, Missouri, that kind of makes sense. I I don't think about it one way or the uh, or another, honestly. Um, keep it, sure. Why not? We also failed to mention that one of the uh, angles coming out of the New Japan show was Jeff Cobb stating that he's coming to St. Louis next week to confront Kenny Omega. So there is yes. also that. Um, potentially for next week. Last one here is from John Kleinchester. That main event was a perfect example of a match you could show to a non-wrestling fan to show them how much fun wrestling can be. It seems like there's too much going on right now to even consider this, but could we get the rematch between o- Omega and Vikingo this time for the AAA title? Uh, Triple Mania is August 12th, so quite a ways away, but the story is built right in. Did anyone notice that CM Punk's face was conveniently covered in the opening ambulance segment? Huh. I did not. Interesting. Well, there, there you have it. Um, well, I guess I that guess is convenient. The, those boards and those tables just propped up against that trailer like that. Hmm. Um, so there you have it. Um, I, I think everyone expects a, a rematch. That to me is is what was uh, built up there. Again, this year they're doing three Triple Mania events. So the first one is actually only a couple weeks away on April sixteenth. So it's it's going to be April sixteenth, June seventeenth, and August twelfth. Uh, in Monterey, uh, Tijuana, and and then the, the last one is in Mexico City. So um, very possible. I, I could see of them doing the, uh, mm-hmm. the title match at, at one of those, if if not even as soon as the April one. So we will see. Um, great main event tonight on Dynamite and a great week of shows coming up. So as Wei mentioned, uh, the wellness policy will be coming out uh, Thursday uh, for everyone and definitely our thoughts with uh, Jordan Goodman. So um, that will be out Thursday as will our final edition of our Drive to Survive Season 5 recap. We will be going through Episodes 9 and 10 with JC, who will be back to chat about those episodes and the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix from last weekend. And what what was up with the the penalty slash non-penalty to Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. What a controversy this was, Way. Quite controversial, yeah. Uh, we'll be talking about the race itself, but of course we'll also be talking about F1's relationship with Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a topic that we've certainly discussed a whole lot about um, when it comes to WWE and professional wrestling. Well, let's see how F1 has handled it. Let's see how F1 audiences have handled it. JC, who is uh, somebody who writes about F1, uh, I'm sure is extremely um, knowledgeable and will probably have a lot of thoughts about this. So I look forward to that conversation. Also, this Saturday, it's the return of the N. WA podcast. The Nubian Wrestling Advocates, they will be back 9 p.m. Eastern live at youtube.com slash post wrestling. They will be joined by SP3 at True Heel, SP3 of True Heel Heat, as they will be talking about WrestleMania this year, previewing what matches we know so far. And uh, I'm sure Chris has a lot of takes on Omos versus Brock Lesnar. I am sure of it. Also dropping this weekend, a new long and winding Royal Road. WH will be turning the clock back to 1999 going over 
Kenta Kobashi and Big Van Vader in the finals of the Champion Carnival that year during uh, Vader's renaissance post-WWF career uh, in all Japan. So uh, that's going to be dropping on Saturday. WrestleNomics Radio, as always, will be released on Sunday with Brandon, Jesse, and Chris. And again, Friday night, it's a live free edition of Rewind to SmackDown at 10 Eastern on the YouTube channel with Waiting and Kate from Montreal. So that is it. Our WrestleMania coverage begins Monday on the Post Wrestling Cafe, and we wish you all a great night. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.